0: Home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Breed Wilkins on 630
1: Chad. Well, hello everybody. We do have the Elks this week coming up at 730 with Morley Scott. It's on every Monday at 7.30, unless uh, we got a holiday Monday, which we do. Is it next weekend we got a holiday Monday, Kellen? It is. So the uh, Elks this week will get bumped to Tuesday. Next week, uh, Kai Loxley, the quarterback, released by the Elks today. So that is significant. He got into one play yesterday and he uh, fumbled, and then as we were talking about with Jed Roberts, kind of separated himself from his teammates, and uh, that is it for him in green and gold. Ted uh, Connor McDavid has won the Ted Lindsay Award, not the other way around. Probably McDavid will have an award named after him someday. So McDavid wins the Lindsay. Maddie Beniers from the Kraken. Puts his tentacles around the Calder Trophy. So, Stuart Skinner finished second in the voting there. Baneer's uh, fairly convincing win. He got 160 first-place votes. Skinner got 24. So, the point differential was about 1,800 to 1,000. When you do the weighted voting, uh, they put five names on the ballot. Bergeron gets the Selkie. Latang gets the Masterton. Stamkos gets the Messier Leadership Award. Kopitar gets the Lady Bing. I think that's uh, up to date. Likely the Hart Trophy is going to be announced during the Elks this week. So uh, Morley will give you that. Though, again, I think the only question for McDavid is does he win it unanimously? So we'll see that when the, when the voting comes out. Uh, Taylor Hall traded to Chicago. Like I was telling you, that's pretty significant. And uh, we will have the draft starting wednesday so it's uh the round one is in the evening on wednesday and then rounds two through seven in the day on thursday free agency is uh starting on saturday we'll have some special coverage for you there on 6:30, 30 chet so just a quick uh hockey update ken holland by the way was on oilers now with bob stauffer earlier today as was Connor mcdavid for, for that matter but ken holland was on so uh he said that clean costin doesn't really sound like Costin's going to be back with the orders working on uh one or two year deals for ryan mcleod and evan bouchard who are both restricted free agents And then you got unrestricted free agents like matthias yanmark and nick bukestad
2: i'm going to meet both of their agents here in nashville okay. uh, i have had i have had uh, a number of conversations with uh, Janmark's agent um I do believe that we're we're you know again we're 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 close he does want to stay um he 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 loves being an oiler uh believes we have a chance to win um likes his role and um so um I, you know we, we you know, he's a conscientious guy he plays good he plays good defense again another guy that pitched him with ten ten goals can kill some penalties um so i am talking to him and, and uh, Nick Bukestad's agents i'm I have been talking, too, but I've got got to figure out exactly uh, how much money that um, we've got to spend.
1: All right, so just another thing to keep an eye on, and the orders are relatively uh, tight up against the cap. Linus Allmark of the Boston Bruins has just won the Vesna for best goalie. Just also want to add the Selkie that was won by Bergeron. Uh, we did have an Euler much lower down on the list. A total of, how many are we at here? 35, 36, 37, Thirty-three. We had a total of 40 people get a vote, even a fifth-place vote. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, 29th. He got a fourth-place vote and a fifth-place vote for the Selkie. So uh, there's the update there. As uh, Yes, Linus Allmark wins the Vesna, 8 this is the one voted on by the general managers. Eight goaltenders got votes. So that the final three were Allmark, Sorokin was second, and Halibut finished third. UC Serros from the uh, Predators was fourth. Actually, Vasilevsky got a first-place vote, the only vote that he got. He, he didn't get any seconds or thirds. He got one first-place vote. He was sixth on that list. All right, yeah, a little bit of draft talk here with uh, Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet, follows the uh, junior ranks very closely. Sam, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be on. Well, it's we pretty much have you pre-booked I think this week. Uh sometimes we have you other times of the year, but it's kind of annual. You're on uh, you're on draft week, so this is always fun for me to to catch up with you. Uh how how what's the vibe in Nashville like for this? I mean, look, I guess we can go back what 24 years now I I think and I I remember some people thought hockey in Nashville uh wouldn't work uh that's been kind of a success story there so maybe the small picture of this week and, and the bigger picture of having the predators there
0: yeah it's it's cool like lots of buzz uh you know just walking around town you're seeing the families come in now most of the scouts come in here uh coming in here uh, this afternoon so scouting staffs are starting to fill out that's when the scuttlebutt really starts to happen we're already seeing some action which is which is really cool and i expect to see a bit more before we get to uh wednesday Uh, but in terms of the the predators and the success like i haven't been here in 24 years myself so getting to the downtown and seeing all these big huge beautiful hotels when you have that, it starts to tell you that hey, this thing's been a success. That downtown core is growing. From from what I've been told, you know, Jason Buchla, whom I work with, used to work with the Preds, so he was here in the early days of the organization, and uh, he's been amazed by what he's been able to see here too. So, really cool that uh, that this town is embracing it. You go down Broadway, and and the street now has been blocked off for for the awards uh, and the post uh, awards party. So, you know, re- to, to kind of continue on in that conversation. You're talking about doing an, an all-in-one type of thing. You know, we've seen it, it. It can happen in Vegas, and it can happen in cities now where maybe they bid for this event, and you get a couple of days out of it. You get the awards, you get the draft, and, and you know, you can you can make a go of it. Uh,
1: you mentioned some news already happening. Uh, I, I just texted a couple of buddies here when it, when it broke about Taylor Hall. I, I know a lot of number one overall picks have eventually wound up playing for several teams. You know, or you have some guys maybe who change teams every couple of years if they get into their mid... I don't know if anybody's ever played for this many teams as quickly as Taylor Hall has for a number one pick. I mean, I was I was like, wow, that's an eyebrow raiser. He goes to Chicago. Yeah,
0: yeah it, you know, I, I think from Chicago's standpoint, listen, they've got all kinds of cap space. We know that. You want to surround Connor Bedard with some really good players and try and insulate him a little bit. Um, you, And you want to, you, you know, like once once the whole lottery thing was won, I think that starts to speed up the process. And so this is part of that happening. You know, from Boston's point of view, if you look at where Taylor was playing, to pay him that kind of money just didn't make a, a, a lot of sense. So, you know, what is also interesting about the Boston Bruins and where they are from a from a cap standpoint, like what happens with Bergeron, what happens with Crutchie, um, you know, these are things that are going to have to be answered. Do they want to keep Orlov around? So there's lots of stuff that's that's kind of percolating under, um, you know, and underneath the water here for a team that was the best regular season team in the in the history of the game. It's it's really interesting stuff.
1: Okay, so Bedard obviously is uh, is the consensus number one over a pick. I, I know he, he gets talked about a lot, but I think we got to do that tonight. I mean, wh- what's your projection for Bedard once he becomes an established? Uh, you know, and really starts reaching at his peak in a few years.
0: I got him as a thirty thirty guy. I think mean, thirty goals, thirty assists, sixty points. That's some people are thinking that's going to be on the low end. I think some of it is dependent upon what happens here for Chicago in the next couple of days. If they keep adding Taylor Halls, you know, maybe that changes <laughs> changes things a little bit, right? So, uh, but I have him at thirty thirty, and I don't think it's crazy to think that. Uh, like as a as a rookie, like even this year, you think he can get there, right? Eh? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think he can score thirty. His goal scoring yeah. is gonna it, translate right away. Right.
1: So I mean, someday we could be talking about him getting to fifty or flirting with sixty. Like, could he be that elite shooter? Do you think? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I really do.
0: Uh, yeah, I I really really believe that. Um, how quick we get there—that's that's a different conversation. But him getting there, I think uh, it's inevitable that it happens. Yeah.
1: Sam Cosentino joining us tonight on inside sports. He's in Nashville awards, of course, and uh, draft all happening this week. Um, so what, what happens at, 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 two, three, I guess maybe that's, uh, more suspenseful than what, what happens at one or, or where is there sort of a, a storyline for you near the top of the draft?
0: Okay, well, the storyline isn't so much a slot as it is a player. And, and I think everyone knows that we're talking about Mad Fay You know, there's been some groundswell that that conversation begins at four with San Jose, Montreal, because he fits the timeline. Then you go to six and it's Arizona. They have the 12th overall pick, so they can decide to be a little bit risky with number six. Then you have Philadelphia at seven. And it looks like their management group is really looking to do some some out-of-the-box things. So, and then, of course, I don't think he gets past Washington at 8. But I do believe the conversation begins at 4 for Madve Mitchkoff. It'd be something else if it happened at 2 or 3, I'll tell you. It would shake the draft right up.
1: <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Well, you, you, I, I always bring this up, and it's not the only time you were right, but uh, uh, 2017, you, you said watch for Kyler Yamamoto uh, going to the Oilers. Uh, now this could be the summer. He's no longer with, with the Oilers, but you, you yeah. call, which, which, and it's not easy to call. Obviously the later it goes into the draft. So I'm not going to ask you to predict the Oilers, uh, second, sixth or seventh round. picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are they taking in the seventh round, Sam? You better yeah. be right. But, uh, I mean, will see if they can add a pick or, or move around or, or, or something like that. Uh, when you're a little later, like Edmonton, is it is it best player available in your mind, or do you look? Okay, we got to get who we need here that we might need in two to four years, kind of thing.
0: For me, if I'm looking at Edmonton, it's clearly a win now mode, and it's going to be that way for the next for the next two years, right? So, when I'm thinking about the Edmonton owners in that position, there's two approaches you can take: you super conservative and say, "All right, this is a guy we know is going to arrive here in the next you know three years." He might not be the highest ceiling guy, but we're pretty sure he's going to arrive. The other is to take a shot at the title and to really kind of throw yourself out there and take a guy that might have some warts in some parts of his game, but some parts of his game really pop and are really translatable right now. For me, that would be the approach that I would take because you're trying to look at an asset that you're going to get in right away that has the highest ceiling, regardless of some of the risk, that now you take and you develop that player and either he is going to play for you as that, projectable asset or if you can get him to the point where you really like him then he becomes a movable asset so that's the tack that i would take is probably you know try and swing for the fences yeah go go
1: for the home run well and and you're right the others are definitely in, in win now mode for sure okay well uh it'll be an interesting few days uh enjoy yourself in nashville that probably won't be a problem Hasn't been yet. <laughs> it doesn't. It's everybody. Everybody I know that went to Nashville. seems like the fun is going to find you, even if you're not looking for it. So feel, lying, I'm sure you'll have a great week uh, professionally, and uh, and when you have some downtime, man. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Hope to hope to see you in person sometime soon.
0: Yeah, you got it, Reed. Thanks so much. Take care.
1: That is Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet with some thoughts of the NHL draft, which uh, gets going Wednesday night and concludes Thursday morning and probably into the afternoon. Okay, it 7:18. 7-18. Uh, again, Connor McDavid winning the Ted Lindsay most outstanding player in the NHL. It's voted on by the Players Association. Stuart Skinner did not win the Calder. That goes to Seattle's Matty Beneers. We got the Elks this week coming up at 7:30. Morley Scott next. Oh, 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 oh,
0: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers.
2: There's Sims, who's been the best elk tonight. And this is another good return to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to midfield. He's to the 45, the 40 down the sideline, still on his feet, finally pushed out of bounds at around the 33-yard line. C.J. Sims has been dynamite tonight.
1: So C.J. Sims had a punt return of 42 yards, another one of 52. He had a kick return of 72 yards. And he was uh, one of the highlights for the Elks yesterday in their 43-31 loss to the Toronto Argonauts. As Morley Scott joins me, he has the Elks this week coming up at 7.30. But well, we had We've a highlight. A step
2: We've taken a step forward, Reed. We had a highlight. Last week. Last week we had no highlights, but this week we do. So this week uh, there
1: would have been a, f- a couple of returns. I mean, Kevin Brown got a touchdown early. Uh, Purifoy got a pick six. The the last play, like I I said, I you know as you know I sit with my parents during the game, and I was like, they, like this is how it goes for this team. They get a touchdown on one of the craziest plays you'll ever see. And it's like, well, okay, so they lost by 12 instead of 18. (laughs) You know, like, man, man, even when they get a break, it doesn't affect, (laughs) affect the game really.
2: Yeah, for sure. But I guess if you're looking for bright spots, there were a few of them, and, and you mentioned Sims. I mean, he had a 34-yard punt return average, a 30-yard kickoff return average. Uh, Vincent Forsman-Blue with his first two career touchdowns. Uh, Dunbar got going, eight catches for 98 yards. Um, and uh, Jarrett Dagie played pretty well when he came in. Uh, obviously, the Argos, I think, took their foot off the gas a little bit and were maybe a little bit more vanilla with their defensive calling. But still... He took what they gave him, nine of eleven for what about 163 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Should have had three touchdowns and and more yards if uh, if uh, Eugene Lewis would have held on to that football at the goal line. So there were some bright spots. Unfortunately, there was also the third quarter, right?
1: Yeah. Well, even starting in the second, I thought it was the field was tilting the other way. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the pure. Fo- I mean, hey, points count no matter how you get them. But yep. I didn't like the flow of most of the game. Yeah, and as Chris the Jones quarter, said.
2: Chris Jones said to us on the post-game show that the defensive touchdown probably, you know, glossed over the game a little bit, made it look better than it was, right? And, and at that point, it's 14-7, right? At that point, you think, oh, they're in, they're in good shape. They got 14 points. Well, they really only had seven points, right, from the offense. So it kind of maybe glossed over some situations. And and then they after that, I thought they, you're right, they kind of tailed off late in the second. And then the th- I I the third quarter is just like, it's unbelievable the things that went wrong for them in the third quarter from, you know, and it's the classic case of every series had something and it was something different, not something that you need to fix because it doesn't happen all the time. You know, like the penalty to Serezna, then a blocked punt, uh, a turnover on downs, uh, the, uh, you know, it was just, uh, everything went wrong every time they were on the field, it seemed, and they couldn't get anything rolling. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in in the game, it's 18, 17, and then they give up 18 straight points in the third quarter and it's a blowout. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just
1: Morley, just hang tight for a second here because they're giving out the King Clancy at, in uh, in Nashville for uh, humanitarian and community work. And Darnell, Darnell Nurse is up for that, right? Is uh, up for that. So let's just. Uh, well, uh, some police officers are getting a, a standing ovation. So once that uh, concludes, uh, we'll get to it D- just quickly. What do you think of the the Locksley release? I mean, I realize the the play and the body language weren't, yeah. weren't great, but uh, that's a pretty quick cut.
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, to me, it tells me something went horribly wrong last night. Uh, There was something that that happened that definitely was an issue that they wanted to deal with and they wanted to deal with quickly. So um, you want to give the winner now? Who was that? Backlund got it from the Flames. There you go. Backland gets it. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty evident. He was pretty steamed. I mean, he got one play, he fumbled the ball uh, trying to hand it off to Kevin Brown, and then he never got a chance to play again, and and he lo- he was furious on the sidelines. He wasn't engaging with any of his teammates. He wasn't engaging with anybody. He was just standing there with smoke coming out of his ears for the rest of the football game. Uh, I noticed one shot where uh, it was Sims was coming off the field, and uh, he was being congratulated by his, all his teammates, and the camera kind of panned behind Locksley. he He's just there with his hands behind his back, and he's not not engaged at all in any kind of congratulatory or or celebra- celebratory mood with the rest of his teammates. And uh, something happened for sure. There, there is talk that after he was yanked, and then they went with uh, with Dagey that uh, for that short yarded situation, because Dagey came off the field. Uh, and and there's you know, and this has not been confirmed, but there are reports that. He said, "No, I'm not going in." When they told him to go, yeah. when they told him to go in and, and run the short-yardage play, he said, "No." And to me, that's that's pretty egregious, right? Um, you got to you got to do what you got to do when it's your job, right? So um, you can't just say no.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, you had a bad play. Well, we might need you for because uh, that was yeah. weird. Like Daigie ran off the field, and then as we've seen too often, the short yardage play uh,
2: yeah. wasn't great. Uh, okay, I, yeah. well, I think we'll probably see Trey Ford operating that now. Maybe uh, in, in in no, maybe in future, yeah. Future okay, games, maybe. yeah. Uh, you, did you have Jeff Blake on tonight? Uh, no, actually, Blake was traveling today for oh, okay. work, and he had like a he had like a seven hour delay in Denver, so he's going to bed early in West Virginia somewhere because he's exhausted. oh wow. he to get up at three in the morning. But we're gonna have Jared Daigie on. We'll talk with him. Oh, we'll good. back good. We'll also look back at yesterday. Then, uh, in
1: your quick, and we're in the final thirty seconds. Um, what do you see of Daggie's potential?
2: Uh, I, I got to see more. I got to get a bigger sample size, but I mean, he did what he had to do in a short order. I mean, he's come a long way in the last week and a half, right, from off the roster to possibly being the starting quarterback. So I, I really, I'm excited to see more.
1: Morley Scott has the Elks this week after the news and weather. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Talk to you tomorrow.